Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Support for this episode comes from Kula Cloth, a high-tech pea cloth that makes personal hygiene in the outdoors simple and sanitary. Kula Cloth is a clean, eco-friendly alternative to toilet paper for anyone who squats when they pee. For 15% off your order, go to kulacloth.com and enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's K-U-L-A cloth.com, promo code OUTTHERE. And now, on to our story for today. Questions of identity and belonging are common to coming-of-age stories. Most of us can think back to a time when we found ourselves wondering who we were and where we fit in. We've all had moments where we felt we didn't belong. But what happens when you finally figure it out, only to realize that society doesn't agree with you? What do you do when you know who you are, but you're still having trouble proving it to yourself and everyone around you? Victoria Marin brings us the story of one woman whose path to belonging has been especially complicated. Wendy Vialta has been trying to figure out where she fits in as long as she could remember. Her biological parents are immigrants. Her dad came from Mexico, and her mom fled civil war in El Salvador. They raised Wendy for the first decade of her life. Until I was 10, I was living in South L.A. with my biological mother, I don't remember much about South L.A., very low-income neighborhood, um, all minorities, you know, it was rough. I'm from L.A. and can confirm that South L.A. can definitely be a rough place to live. But I think it's important to note that like other low-income, black and brown communities, there are also happy families living good lives there. Like most places, it's complicated. For Wendy and her family, things were tough. Her parents' relationship was off and on, and both of them struggled with sobriety, which made things at home unstable. She's one of four children, and her parents often didn't have the money they needed to care for the kids. Eventually, Child Protective Services intervened. Wendy and her sisters were placed under a legal guardianship, which was supposed to be a temporary arrangement while her parents cleaned up and got their lives back on track. But when it came time for her to go home to South L.A., Wendy realized she didn't want to go back to her old life. She was only a kid, but she already felt like she didn't belong with the family she was born into. When I was going through the process of being placed into a legal guardianship, and I was at court with my guardians and my biological mom, and the judge was like, all right, you can go back to living with your mother. And I was like, I object because <laughs> I wanted to stay where I was with my guardians because, you know, life was a little bit nicer there. Typically, judges in these cases favor keeping birth families together, assuming the parents can stay sober and provide a stable home for the kids. About a year after Wendy and her sisters were taken from her, their mom was able to prove she was ready to get her kids back. But Wendy had already experienced enough in her young life to know where she belonged. At just 10 years old, she was able to convince the judge that she was better off staying with her guardians. 
Hawthorne, the lower middle-class suburb where they lived, felt welcoming to Wendy. It's a diverse place, home to a number of Spanish-speaking immigrants and other ethnic minorities. It seemed familiar, even though her guardians were white. They lived in a modest, single-family home on a quiet block. Though they never had biological children, her foster mom, Shelley, stepped into the role of mother with ease. She was a teacher and seemed to have natural instincts to nurture and protect Wendy and her sisters. Life with her foster parents gave Wendy a chance to explore new worlds. They went camping in the family RV and introduced her to their Jewish faith. They also did their best to validate traditions the kids had grown up with. My adopted parents, they are Jewish. They, you know, never forced Judaism upon us. They were like, for years we were doing like Christmas and Hanukkah. So we had like a Christmas tree. I think back and I'm just like, that's such a like nice investment. And your children is making sure that they don't feel like you're taking away their identity. Five years later, when Wendy was 15, her foster parents adopted her. Her stable home was officially hers. And she had another thing, a strong sense of faith. All those years of celebrating Jewish holidays and learning traditional Jewish recipes had worn off on her. By the time she was officially adopted into Shelley's family, Wendy had started calling herself Jewish. She felt spiritually connected to her parents, and that felt good. And yet, Wendy still felt like an outsider. Being Jewish was unusual in Hawthorne, and there weren't many other adopted kids in the neighborhood. Despite initially feeling at home there, she now felt like an outsider. And that was tough. Like most teenagers, she just wanted to fit in. I was just like a regular teenager, I feel like, when I was in high school and up until college. And then I was trying to be, you know, your typical college student. It's funny because I keep saying typical, and I'm just like, I've just always wanted to associate myself with being just regular and normal. Regular and normal. But it wasn't until she got to college that Wendy started to feel both of those things and Jewish at the same time. When I got to college, I started to meet all of these Jews. And I'm like, oh my god, there's so many other Jewish people in L.A. And come to now understand that there's a very, very large Jewish community in L.A. Discovering the depth of the Jewish community around her was pivotal for Wendy. She started sharing stories with her new friends about growing up Jewish. In the process, she started to connect more to her faith and adopted heritage. I didn't know any other Jews. I think there was like one Jew that I knew in middle school, and I went to like one bar mitzvah in my life. And then in high school, I mean, it was homogenous Latino, not really homogenous, but it was like all Latinos, African-Americans, you know, Pacific Islanders. It wasn't like I didn't know any other Jews. There was like maybe a handful of white people in my high school. But now? Now she had a community who shared her stories and beliefs and rituals. That made her feel like she belonged somewhere in a way she'd never felt before. Up to this point, belonging was about feeling safe and welcome and typical. Meeting other Jews made her feel all of those things and more, too. For the first time, she felt seen and understood. Like, these people really get me. That felt so good that Wendy went even further. She started learning Hebrew and even studied abroad in Israel. These experiences solidified what had now become clear to Wendy. 
she wasn't just a kid who was adopted by Jews. Being Jewish was, in fact, central to her identity. But as she would soon learn, feeling at home in her own skin was only half the battle. Turns out, identity is more complicated than just knowing who you are. Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear the rest of the story in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Support for Out There comes from Simple Habit, a meditation app that provides stress relief for busy people. Ian Young is in charge of marketing at Simple Habit, and he says he used to be a skeptic about meditation. But Simple Habit changed that. I was commuting into work. And uh, the, we have uh, one of our features of our app is this on-the-go wheel where um, you can just quickly, depending on what you're doing, just select a, a meditation that um, is tailored for that particular situation. Um, and in my case, it was commuting on the bus. And so this particular meditation, because it was so tailored to what I was doing in terms of, um, well, I'm, I'm on the bus and the, the voice was guiding me to sort of feel the uh, vibrations from the engine, the gentle swaying of like as the bus starts and stops, the, the conversations around me. And that really got me to enter into that meditative state where I was very much grounded in the present. Simple Habit has meditation sessions for loads of specific situations, like if you wake up and you're feeling anxious or you're nervous before a date or you're having trouble getting pregnant. Each session is short, usually no more than five or ten minutes, so they're easy to fit into your busy day. There's a free version of the app, but to get the whole experience, sign up for the premium version. For 30% off the premium Simple Habit app, just go to simplehabit.com slash out there. That's simplehabit.com slash out there. And now, back to the story. The trouble started when Wendy decided to apply to Birthright. Birthright is an organization that brings Jewish youth from around the world together for trips to Israel. The goal is to strengthen Jewish faith and community across the diaspora. In college, I applied twice and I got rejected because I said I was adopted. And I think that they don't really see that. I mean, there's some nuances to Judaism where you're not technically Jewish unless your mother is a Jew, your birth mother. And obviously, like, I wasn't birthed through my Jewish mother, so they didn't really see that as being technically Jewish. Wendy was devastated. She finally felt like she had found her community, and now they were rejecting her. Birthright felt like a metaphor for the acceptance Wendy had spent her life looking for. She knew this was where she belonged, but that wasn't good enough. She didn't just have to know where she belonged, she had to prove it. So she decided to convert officially to Judaism. Her parents were delighted. My parents are friggin' diehard for me doing anything Jewish because for them they're just like, yes, this is the one thing that stuck. Converting is not easy. First you have to find a rabbi willing to sponsor and guide you through the process. The process itself is similar to a PhD program. You immerse yourself in coursework and readings, your interpretations are constantly challenged, and at the end of it all, you have to defend your efforts in front of a panel of scholars. For Wendy, this meant not only learning about history and memorizing prayers and traditions, but also establishing and committing to a belief system that impacted her daily life. No more bacon and shrimp, 
and no new tattoos. It's a big commitment, one she still struggles with daily. But she threw herself into it wholeheartedly. By the time she converted, she felt more validated. It was official now. She was really Jewish. And just like that, she no longer felt like she needed to go on birthright in order to belong in the Jewish community. And yet, despite all of that, there was still a piece of her that felt like an outsider. I still had it, and I still have my doubts about whether I'm doing the Jewish thing right. Like, even when I'm sure about myself and my choices and where I belong, it still gives me anxiety. And then one day, something happened, kind of by accident, that made Wendy feel like she had found her way home all over again. I was just one day scrolling through Instagram, and I, like, found this girl's Instagram who, she was outdoorsy, and she was living in Montana, and I fell in love with the photos that she was posting, and I was like, shit, I need to get outdoors more. If you're thinking, wow, that came out of the blue, yeah, it kind of did. But to put things into perspective, Wendy had been feeling pretty down at that point. She still had that kind of low-grade, underlying anxiety about her faith. She was overwhelmed about career choices. And she'd recently had a falling out with a childhood friend. I was just really feeling really fed up with everything after I had broken up with a friend, a close friend, and all of the advice that everyone was giving me about my life and my career. I just wanted to... I guess, escape the world. And nature seemed like it just offered me the chance to get away from the things that brought me stress and anxiety. Most of us have felt this at some point in our lives, this urge to get away from it all. But for Wendy, it was kind of surprising that she felt so suddenly drawn to nature. Up to this point in her life, she wasn't really into the outdoors. She'd gone outside a bit as a child with her family, but she didn't enjoy it. And she didn't feel like she belonged there. I mean, for a long time, anything outdoors has been seen like as a white people thing. I mean, I always thought of it as like white people thing to do. That's something you hear over and over again from people of color, that the outdoors isn't for us. Exploring nature, hiking, camping, many of us have absorbed this narrative that those are things white people do. But now suddenly, Wendy found that she didn't care. She was no stranger to creating community in a place where she didn't initially feel like she belonged. So why not be an oddball in nature, too? And just like that, she started going outside. First, she went on day hikes. Then she started camping overnight. She even started rock climbing. My former coworker Jeremy, was like, let's go rock climbing. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> I had no interest. And then I'm telling you, social media like knows what you're talking about. And on my newsfeed popped up somebody rock climbing. And I was like, oh, this kind of looks cool. And I was like, let's do it. The first time she went climbing outside rather than in a gym, it was terrifying. But that didn't stop her. She was hooked. I wasn't fully prepared to realize how like scary it actually is. But we went and then like I did my first like first ever like route. I finished it. And this like couple comes by and they're like, good job. And we like got to chatting, exchanged numbers. And they're like, you know, we'll take you guys outside again. This couple she met hadn't looked at her strangely because she was a brown woman outside rock climbing. They looked at her like she belonged right where she was. And I, like, fell in love with it. And I was like, let's go again this week. 
At some point, Wendy realized that being outside was more than just fun for her. It gave her a sense of peace and affirmation that she'd never felt before. One weekend in particular, she was on a camping trip with a friend. We were sitting on the, this giant boulder in the, middle of the ro- in the middle of the river, and it's a slow-moving river, so I wasn't being dangerous or anything. And my friend and her eating popcorn and drinking out of a bottle of wine, laughing. And I think that was the moment where I was like, this is the most beautiful, pure moment that I've ever had. Like, I felt like just at the most peace that I've ever felt, ever, maybe. I was in this beautiful, like, river, and nothing else mattered in that moment. So I realized that those are just the experiences that you can have when you're not in the city and you're not bogged down by work and relationships and dealing with things that you don't care to deal with. So I think that that moment, that's when I was like, yep, I'm going to keep doing this. Let's be clear. It's not like the outdoor community was that much more welcoming than other communities she'd tried to be a part of. So much of the marketing she saw from outdoor companies was geared toward white people. And she was still often the only person of color she saw while out on adventures. Because she works in public relations, Wendy's very aware of things like branding and visibility and what they mean to people as consumers. She knew that part of the reason she didn't see many other people of color outside is because they didn't see themselves out there, literally. When she first started going outside as an adult, nature still felt like it was just as much of a white people thing as it had been when she was growing up. But now there's so many people challenging that idea and making themselves visible as women, people of color, disabled people who love to go outside and they inspire me to take ownership of my experiences outdoors. Ownership of her experiences outdoors. Yes, she was still a round peg in a square hole, but she found that she didn't need external validation anymore. She had figured out who she was and what she wanted, and she no longer felt she had to prove anything to the rest of the world. When you're outside, it doesn't matter whether you fit into all the boxes you're supposed to. You get to just be yourself, um, and that's the beauty of it. From the first time I went outside as an adult, I knew there was something about it that was bigger than all of my insecurities. I could be myself and be happy with that in a way outside that I had never experienced anywhere else. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we all want? A sense of happiness and belonging in the places that we feel most at home, no matter what anyone else thinks? That was Victoria Marin. She's a producer and writer based in Brooklyn. If you want to see more of her work, head over to our website, outtherepodcast.com. music you're hearing right now was recorded on a mountaintop. Seriously, two women hiked up a mountain carrying a keyboard and a violin, and they had their own little concert up there. It's something they do on a regular basis. One of the women is Anastasia Allison. She's the founder of Kula Cloth, which is one of our sponsors for this episode. We'll talk about Kula Cloth in a moment. But I was so intrigued by Anastasia's side project, 
this thing where she makes music on mountaintops, that I had to ask her about it. She said she and her friend Rose did it for the first time one September morning in 2017. Rose bought a keyboard, and I figured out how to stuff my violin in a backpack. And at two in the morning, we met and decided to hike in for sunrise at this really beautiful location in the Cascades. And we have never really tried to become anything. We just sort of do it because we love it. They may not have tried to become anything, but they have since started calling themselves the Musical Mountaineers. And they regularly do these sunrise serenades. Usually there's no one else there, just the two of them and their music and the stillness of the early morning. Anyway, this is supposed to be an ad about Kula cloth. As I said at the start of this episode, Kula cloth is a high-tech pee cloth for women and anyone else who squats when they pee outdoors. Kula cloths are awesome, and you can get your own at kulacloth.com. For 10% off your order, enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's K-U-L-A-Cloth.com, promo code OUTTHERE. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We're always looking for new listeners, and your recommendation is our best form of advertising. That's it for this episode. Our marketing and business development director is Alex Egerking. Our advertising coordinator is Jessica Taylor. Laura Johnston heads up our ambassador program. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, have a beautiful day. Be bold. Go outside and find your dreams.